Welcome, welcome, welcome to Thirst for Knowledge Podcast, episode 26. I'm James Evers. I'm Justin. And I'm Seth Tardiff. And today on the episode, we're welcoming back our good friend, Andrew Q. Quist. Yeah, Q's back, and um, we we get into it pretty, uh, pretty good on this one. We've got a little chit-chat in the beginning where we review our Spotify playlists. I'm sure everybody's very uh, excited about you know <laughs> what we are listening to this year. Um, we uh, then we we get into some more um, uh, philosophy talk. We go into reincarnation, karma, um, revisiting Buddhism, and uh, if suffering is be- beneficial, hit on Nirvana. You know all all the fun stuff. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode. It was a fun one to do, and um, it was recorded partially in our studio with the three of us and Q was actually remote in um, Fort Collins where he lives in Colorado. Uh, We tried out some new technology and we think it worked really great and it should uh, produce some good future episodes as well. Mm -hmm. All right. Enjoy guys. Enjoy. Enjoy. This is, um, I mean, this is pretty epic, though, right? This is working. This is sick. Dude, shit. It's loud, son. Yeah. Unofficial fourth member. Welcome from Colorado. Unofficial fourth member. Fort Collins. Fourth. Yeah. Straight to your dome. Dome, dome, dome. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. Squadcast. Squadcast. Yeah. Squadcast is not a sponsor of this <laughs> podcast, but they could be. Yeah. They could be if they yeah. knew what was right for them. Big shout out to Squadcast for letting this connection happen. Yeah, that we're mm. that we're paying for. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are letting it happen. We Big are using shout out to Squadcast software. for offering a service that we are paying for. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it is coming from our money that we've gotten from our sponsors at dullknives.com. Dullknives.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't heard from those guys in a while. Yeah, they I come mean, and go. As long as we keep getting checks from them, that's all that matters. Right? Yeah. True. true. <laughs> as as the money train don't stop, baby. No. Don't let that fucking train choo choo keep coming. <laughs> so God what damn. is it? About ha- almost halfway? No. Maybe a th- no. What's the date? The fifth. It's the oh, sixth. So it's not that far into December yeah. yet. No. Oh, but the- guys, no. You continue. Oh, I was just going to say, this is going to be the last podcast that we release in 2019, though. Yep, because we got some backups. Oh, released in 2019. I thought it was the last one you were recording. Um, well, we'll probably record, we'll probably have to record at least one more, yeah. um, but it won't be released until 2020. Right. We could do like a New Year's one, New Year's resolution one. Yeah. Are we doing sober January? I'm I'm doing sober January. Oh, fuck yeah, that. I'm gonna do what it too. Or, or dry January, anyway. Yeah. God damn it, I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> Guys, I I uh, I have a confession. What? You butt funneled wine. Not only did I butt funnel wine, I don't I see why that's a bad thing, but uh, Jack Daniel's whiskey. Oh So my I am Lord. over my. Uh, you had my whiskey. You had some whiskey. And? No, 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 no. I'm just bullshitting. Oh. No. Um, <laughs> now the rest of your news is gonna be bullshit. I don't. I don't take anything in the butt. It's one way street. Um, Q. What? Wait, hold on. Quick question. What? But do you shave down there? Keep it clean. 
I have in the past. I've been a little lazy in the last four or five months. People but. say who one who cleans one who cleans the house always expects visitors. Mm. <laughs> oh God. Okay, keep going. <laughs> uh so last a year ago you guys had that Black Friday deal where you bought those twenty three me kits with the ancestry data. That's correct. For fifty percent off. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then I had openly admitted that I would purchase one and we would do my 23andMe data as a, on the year anniversary of the release of that second episode of the TFK podcast. Yes. Indeed. Okay. I chickened out. No, you motherfucking motherfucker. Oh, I don't know, man. You it's told just, me you're going to do it. Yeah, and when I talked to you, you were like, oh, that makes that makes sense. Just use well, a different because name. Because you had, Q, you had the argument that. I'm going to steal your spit. You I'm going to send it in. You used, fake, you used a fake name, right? Yeah, and a new email. And a new email. Yeah. But did you have to provide any other data? Other than a vial of my fluid? No. That's it. So just a name, email, and a vial of your fluid yeah i mean well, they, they ask for birth date and thing like things like that but you know it doesn't have to be the exact if you don't want to know who your family is and you're connected to well you could but they would be like who the hell is like you know ass stretcher 4000 <laughs> they might be <laughs> it's a- like your second cousin <laughs> <laughs> and then like <laughs> i don't think 23 me uses like i don't yeah, know PlayStation. uncle ass stretcher <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean like they'll be like oh you're related to this girl named you know, Christine from Washington, or you're related to Jack from fucking Maine. Like, you're your second cousin. So, like, you use a fake name. They're going to be like, who's Jack? Like, no, my name's actually so, Justin. So I thought about this, okay? Yeah. The The idea, I, I think kind of what they're doing is it's just a way of gathering data for research, for, for those purposes of sort of enhancing their ancestry database. Right? Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, like, that's what they're very open about that. They'll say they don't need your name. No, no, really I know. The bigger but the for, pool is, the better the data they, they can it, give you is. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Which is like what James was saying in that episode when um, the the data almost like updates more with more and more information. And it, it does. does. That's true. I get yeah. emails all the time. Yeah. Saying yeah. like, we've got new stuff. Here yeah. But I just can't help... But feel like there's something nefarious going on. I don't know why. Dude, I, I, every company is nefarious. N- yeah, it, it's true. Every company I know is dirty and dark and terrible. There isn't one good company out there. Not well, one. When the bottom line of a company is <laughs> money, Profit. then yeah, 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 yeah. That's what's gonna I happen. Mean, you just gotta take the good things when they come, and then hopefully the bad things aren't so bad. I don't know. I'm still like, I'm still apprehensive about it. I don't know why, but I am. I mean, unless you have super genes, they don't care. Because all they're going to do is like, okay, you probably are average. Maybe you're a little less average on this part or this part. But they're just going to use that data to make some sort of virus that kills 50% of the population. <laughs> Hopefully you're not that 50%. So you, by not submitting, maybe it could help out the cause and hopefully like – Something happens, but I mean, it's owned uh, by Google, dude. I'm Google not sure I follow your argument, and you're not really. <laughs> That's a giant biological data collection agency. They're going to collect all the data, find the average of what's the most average gene that everyone has, take advantage of that gene, and then make some sort of virus for it, kill half the population when they need to. Eventually, you know, population's going to get out of control. Like, we need to do something. Hey, let's, 
that doesn't give enough need... rich people vaccines whoa, for it. Whoa, before. Calm, brother, brother, you got to take a breath and calm down because I'm going to tell you something <laughs> right now. The earth is doing it by itself, okay? <laughs> I don't know. It's got to do it no faster. No corporations doing it. It's already going to happen before any of those corporations get it done. Yeah. Yeah, you're talking about some like Thanos like character who wants to snap his fingers, you know, half it's, the people go it's just by. Called, it's called like whatever, whoever's running, who's whoever running the world, you know? Why does Soros. there have to be someone running the world? Maybe it's just running on its own. Maybe it's just one big chaotic maelstrom of nothingness, and we're all just shit stains on the toilet bowl of humanity, man. That's what we hope for. I, I tend, yeah, I tend to agree with Q on that one. <laughs> That's what I hope is going on. Shit just you happens. Something is going to happen to the and point then we try where, to make like, sense of it. True. Something's going to happen where, like, if global warming is is happening quicker than we thought, and things start hitting the fan, there's going to be powerful people like, all right. What's, what are we going to do? Are we going to stop using oil or are we going to kill half the people? And it's always going to be kill half the people. Well, that's <laughs> – why are those the only two choices? Yeah, because right? The I feel third like choice more. is to start buying aquifers in South America, which a bunch of them have already done. Oh, and steal the water Because from South when America. there's a, no land left, when Miami, New York, London, uh, my, uh, yeah. L.A., Portland, Seattle are all underwater, shit. Yeah. All because What's nobody wanted to listen to Greta Thunberg. How old is she, like 14? Old enough to see they were all on a sinking ship here. Yeah, but she's not making no differences. No. She's just a crybaby. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's 14-year-olds that are actually doing things, and she's just one that goes, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Dude. There's like a 14 year old kid that like figured oh. out a way to like collect all the trash from the ocean. He's like, I think he's a little, little bit older. Teenager, and then reevaluate your statements. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, there's 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 like kids out there, man, making differences. I think James is the teenager that he lives with. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair enough. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, anyways, I don't know. So you're I'm not going to do 23 and Me, huh? Blame. I, I feel like I it. should. Just do it. I also feel like uh, I should. You know, here, there's a thing about fear, okay? You Are you familiar with the litany against fear? Uh, uh, no, please uh, enlighten From me. From Frank Herbert's Dune. Ooh, ooh. Okay, it's I, a little, I, it's a thing that you say to yourself so that you don't get scared. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. That's that's pretty deep, man. Whoa. I mean, <laughs> that's from Dune? Yeah, dude, you should read Dune. Wow. Dune's awesome. I, I think I read Dune when I was much younger, and I don't. Oh really my god! Remember. I uh, remember like main plot points, but I don't really remember like the details. Oh, of... you got to read it again. Yeah, it's like I, uh, I, I, I saw the the double VHS tape, but I oh, heard yeah. that the I heard the movie was like so disconnected from the from the, from the novel itself. Or it like, is. Yeah, the one that's uh, what is it? David Lynch. Yes. Yeah. 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 David Lynch's yeah. Dune is. He sort of has disowned it from his own oove. He's like, I don't like that. I didn't. It was a horrible film, even though he made it. Um, it is really just. If you haven't read the book, the movie's just like a bunch of weird things happening that you don't really understand the connection between. It's very David Lynchian. Yeah, but like not in his normal charming good way. Oh, yeah, yeah, true, <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so um, I must do it. Yeah. yeah. I must not fear it. No, you must not. Give it and, to society's... Uh, turn the eye Find on Find out itself. if you have a predisposition towards, uh, I don't know, hypertension or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I could just look at my family history. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but this See, is your family that, history on steroids. Yeah. Although I can't because yeah. my mother was adopted. So, so it's was hard mine. To, so that's why, that was why I did it. It's a little hard to discern, like... Did your mom do it too? No. To figure uh, out where she's... She was supposed to, or she said she wanted to, and I think I, I did get her a kit for like Christmas, but I don't know if she ever did it. Did your parents ever do it, Seth? You're, you guys got them. They the did, kid. yeah. And yeah. does it all match up? <laughs> Everything's Are making you sense? actually theirs? Yeah, yeah, it, it matched up. It all matched up. Um. So what's your shit from... Well, this is a stupid question, but like, what are your parents? Are they all the same? Where's or your like... shit from, brother? <laughs> <laughs> I'm 100% American. So uh, w- we would have to dig back into this if we do 23 Me Part 2. Yeah, we Justin will. Does we it. will, yeah. But um, from what I remember, it wasn't like a 50-50 split of like mashing my parents' stuff together was the outcome of what my stuff was. And I think there was even variances between like the percentages of stuff that I had and Gina had because she did it too. So you guys had, yeah. So, But it was it was pretty close. Like, Are you saying that there was a dominant... Like you have more of your. I wish side Noah or your did Noah side, do or it. Is it yeah. Just, okay. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So like, if my mom was fifty uh, percent Italian or whatever, I didn't end up being completely a quarter. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Stuff okay, like okay. stuff like that. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, though. That's weird. Yeah. I don't know exactly. We would have to do some research on how all that works. And I'm sure that now that everybody, so many people have done 23andMe, that there's more data and people like writing articles about like why that isn't the case. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. There's, um, especially having brothers and sisters from the same parents. They're like, oh, I'm more Italian than you, man. (laughs) It's like, no, you're the same. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Technically, I got another 5% Italian in me. (laughs) Well, that's weird because I mean, what, would it be the presence of certain genes or whether certain ones are dominant or recessive? Cause like, uh, peaches, right. Is a female orange tabby cat, mm-hmm. which initially I thought was super, super rare, but it only turns out to be something like one in five or one in eight or something like that. Okay. Um, because it's like, she has to have, or the, her parents had to have like a recessive gene and the father had to have the orange gene as well. That was both rec- like, I don't know. It had to be, both things had to line up for her to be female and orange. Weird. Okay. Which is okay. why she's magic. Yes. <laughs> peaches is Q's cat. And I was right. going to say, at first I thought you were talking about the fruit. I'm like, peaches. No, okay. No, no, no. It's half uh, down. I'm I down. I was like, all right, a peach is half <laughs> orange and half tabby. Ca-. I'm like, oh, okay. We're talking about cats. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. What are peaches? Peaches yeah. is a magical it's a half cat. a grape yeah. and an orange had sex and made peaches. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there a thing about cats Where's and... Where's the fuzz uh, come from, then? Peaches. <laughs> cats. Peaches. Cats. Cats. <laughs> Isn't there a thing about cats? Uh, if the cat has three colors, it always is a female. If it's like a... And there's no like male. A, cal- a calico, calico cat. Calico cats can't cats be men. Tend to be female. But not I always female. I don't know if that's. I don't know if they're necessarily. Female. So when I was in high school, they said that in a book it said there's you can't have a male calico. I remember that when I was going over genes in anatomy class in high school, tenth grade. Hmm. 
I mean, times have changed, you know? The one lot thing that remembers from high 12 school. 12 years. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, I know a lot of things. Yeah, I don't remember you know what, doing you cats. Know what, you know what I remember the is? shape of Stephanie Swanson's butt. <laughs> Stephanie Swanson? Who are you talking to, man? <laughs> I remember what fur... Uh, fur is lat, is a thief in Latin, I think. Fur. Fur is thief in Latin? Yeah. How do you, how do you, spell, how do you spell it? I think it's F-U-R. Fur. We'll have to look it up. I think you were thinking Führer. Führer. Uh, oh, Führer. Yeah, yeah. Thief. Oh, yeah, that one. Thief of people's. <laughs> I think it's fur. It is. That's correct. I just oh, looked it up. Oh, baby. See, I remember two Damn things. Quicker than me. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Thief. Fur. 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 Con- fur spigot was something like sneaky fur. Sneaky thief. <laughs> so are you, are you saying that cats... Furry cats are just little thieves. Yeah, so. fuck it's fur thieves. First, be- I don't remember what it is. Jeez, here we are with this amazing technology, where we're we're podcasting across the United States over two thousand miles. Over two thousand miles, and you're talking about fur spigots. Hey, what did you guys? So, I mean, obviously, this is a different question for Q because he was homeschooled. But <laughs> I it was, was partially. Bloody partially homeschooled but i know but this is going to be like oh what did so when you when you were a kid and you went home and your parents were like helping you with your homework or helping you study for tests i don't know if your parents did this or not but my dad did did they ever like help you learn shit and it just like stuck in your head forever like weird things like when like i was when i was in third grade my dad was helping me with a spelling bee or a spelling test and it was like, you have a list of 20 words, and then every Friday you got to take a thing. And I was like, how to learn, I was trying to learn how to spell gigantic. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, it's easy. So he's like, G-I-G-A-N-T-I-C. And that's how I remembered how to spell gigantic. And for like t- 10 years after that, anytime I used gigantic, I was like, G-I-G-A-N-T-I-C. Yeah. I don't know if you guys had any of those things. I don't know, not for my parents necessarily. Any um, weird ways to learn But yeah, things. like mnemonic. I, here's one thing that's weird that I remember. When I was in kindergarten, there was a chart on the wall that had the numbers 1 through 100. Mm-hmm. And each column, which was 10 numbers, each column was a different color. And the um, color of whichever column of numbers I've always associated with that set of numbers. So, for instance... Uh, weird. Weird. 40s like 40 through 49 was a like a brick red color the 80s was black uh 70s was a type of yellow 30 was like a light blue i remember so that when you chart. think of those numbers you think of those colors the color it's not it's not like an explicit like oh this color is like right in front of my mind but it's in there it's definitely Weird. coloring the thought you know that's pretty crazy but yeah i mean like something like a the the spelling thing is uh mnemonics isn't a good way to remember anything if you can put it to a song or a my dad also did rhyme. when we were doing capitals he would go uh, do you know the capital of alaska do you know the capital of alaska <laughs> and i'd always remember it that way too so if someone was like what's the capital of alaska i'd be like do you know that capital of alaska what about what about <laughs> north dakota what's the capital of north dakota james i don't fucking know bismarck cap- thank you seth what's the capital of michigan <laughs> james i don't know lansing oh, jesus christ Dude, <laughs> it's something I don't need to know. Missouri? I don't know. I know no I know St. Paul. That's, that's Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh, that's Minnesota. 
<clears throat> Missouri. Detroit. That's not a capital. No, Detroit's not a capital. <laughs> that's the only place I. That's the only place I know in Michigan. Yeah, you guys remember that? We actually used to have to memorize the state capitals. Third grade. Yeah. It was third grade. I, was it third grade? No. Seventh grade for I thought, me. I thought fifth, fifth grade. Fifth grade. Fifth Seventh grade. grade for me. I still review this information. Yeah. <laughs> then you work up to world capitals, and then you can just start spitting off capitals on the bus. What is or the capital in the line of the world? at the coffee place? What's the capital of the world? <laughs> United States of America, that's what. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no cap world capital, is there? <laughs> it's actually an underwater Cthulhu sea. <laughs> mm, I think that's correct. Atlantis. <laughs> Welcome to Atlantis. It's Jurassic Park. <laughs> Jurassic Park's capital. Um, I was going to say something and I forgot. You fucked me up. Do you, guys, do you guys have Spotify? Yeah. Did you get your Spotify 2019 unwrapped? Sure did. You oh. did? I haven't looked at oh, mine. Fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. So I am pretty mine is sure. So weird. I bet it is. Mine is I'm, so fucking weird. Yeah. I have a thing where I only listen to like 10 songs just to remember, try to remember how to sing them. So I'll just play the same song like 40. So one of wow. the songs was Sloth's Revenge. I probably listened to that like 400 times. Oh my God. Just trying to learn the whole thing. Yeah. And then Val- Valerie's on there a of lot. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked at it, but I'm assuming. These are all the things I'm assuming. Well, me and Gina share it and she loves that one band. And that's that's the only band that plays oh, in the house. Oh, you and Gina share it? Yeah. Oh, okay. oh that's yeah, totally enough. She shared hers, and her band of the decade was Amorosa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. that's <laughs> all she listens to. Band of the decade? Yeah, did you get oh, that? A, I did, I did, yeah, yeah. But I only started in, like, 2016, so it's not... No, yeah, mine was only from probably somewhere around that same time. Yeah. Mine's uh, was... Dead Can Dance. Okay, all right, that makes sense. I don't really also... listen to that band. Which one? Sorry, keep going. I, my brain was working and not my, my mouth was working out my brain. Yeah, you never listened to Emerosa or Dead Can Dance, we know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. What was yours? Um, it was Pat Metheny. Oh, well, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that also yeah. makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> of the decade, though? Of the decade, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, what was, yeah. your, uh, what was yours of the year? It was also Pat Metheny. And here's why. Because I always listen to him uh, in two very specific occasions and that's when i'm sitting down at my computer and doing work where i have to like pay my bills or researching things or whatever and when you're drunk and no actually i don't (laughs) listen to pat metheny when i'm drunk and uh uh, usually like for breakfast when i'm like sitting down eating a breakfast i'll put on a pat metheny album and those two things you do every day uh not every day but um you know at least you know once a week for the the sitting down breakfast and then once every other week for the sitting down and working on bills and all that fun stuff. And that's the thing. Anything where you're planning to listen to music and it's typically the same thing comes up a lot. So I have a lot of stuff I listen to and I go to sleep. Oh yeah, that too. Um, yep. But I want to share some of the, <laughs> I mean, it's funny what they've done is basically, uh, obviously they're taking all your data and yeah, I'm, by all means, take it because this is fascinating. So it really is. They tell me is like you've listened to artists from 88 countries, and then it shows like a little globe beneath it. Damn, dude, I had 48, and I thought that was a lot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what's another? Um, you discovered 1,694 new artists this year, but you really vibed with, and then this name is Rinko Kobayashi, who's just a piano player, whose album of uh, Chopin work I listened to a bunch of times. Okay, so artist yeah. is people who. Not just 
compose but also might play which is yeah. kind of interesting and then like the amount of time i spent listening which i wish they gave you this like the very end of the year but it's like seventy five thousand nine hundred forty six minutes which yeah. seems like a lot all right i'm i'm, bring, I'm bringing up 75,000 right minutes it. there was Dude, more it was more last year and for some reason this is the, this is what's kind of strange is that all the top art the top genre is death metal but the top artists none of them are death metal and none of the top songs are death metal either but the top genre is yeah my top genre was rock just general rock okay and then followed by jazz fusion progressive and then a couple other things are you is that the image of like the different bars yeah 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 oh yeah mine's mine had like uh dude you listened to 52 days worth of music 52 days 52 days days worth of music (laughs) that's pretty pretty impressive 1200 hours bro that's pretty dope (laughs) do you know how many hours you work a year if you worked a 40 hour a week year too many 2080 i just know that because i always know that you're always trying to do the math how much money you make 2080 (laughs) hours is a full year of work you listen to 1250 hours of music and how, right. how many minutes was that? 75,000. 75,900 and something. Oh, Mine so you was, got 76,000, bro. Yeah. Jesus. Cheese and rice. Cheese and rice. I only had 55,806. <laughs> what about like your last handful of years? Because mine showed like the last five. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was five years worth? No, that was that was this year. Last year was like 77,000. And then it goes yeah. down to like 72 or something. Damn. I had 57,000 I know I'm year. nowhere close to that. Yeah. I know I'm nowhere close to that because I don't really listen to a lot of music. I listen to podcasts more, and that's more. A, that's another thing because they've been doing more and more podcasts on Spotify. TFK's on Spotify, exactly. And yeah. get it, like, check it out. Yeah, it's um, I've listened to it on Spotify, and then I barely listen to any other podcast. So <laughs> all the information it's trying to give me that's like strictly about podcasts is. TFK, 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 TFK. <laughs> watch it, watch it, watch oh, it. I only good. listen to like two podcasts. <laughs> Do you listen to TFK on um, on Spotify? Is that what you uh, listen to? Not it? all the time. Okay. That podcast act one is um, smoother. I just tend to go into Spotify for music. Yeah. It's always just yeah. like linked with music. Because they haven't, when I got it, they didn't have that many podcasts. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they just seem to have like shitload so yeah because you have to if you're doing a podcast you pretty much have to be on everything so every time somebody asks me oh do you, is your podcast on this platform i'm like let me check oh it's not all right let me get it there so yeah. every like i've you know it's on stitcher now it's on it's on everything that Podbean blasted out to it's on spotify because some of them you have to sign up for specifically and then some of them Podbean will just like blast right off so Podbean's like the distribution that we use for the podcast. Right. <laughs> Podbean. Yeah. Podbean. Don't flick it too hard. So um, the other thing I got because I ha- I controlled the uh, the colonize um, uh, Spotify, so I got the stats for that. Oh, neat. oh let's hear yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, me, Ham, and Q put out uh, an album under the moniker Colonize uh, a few years ago. And, um, this, we didn't get, we didn't have a ton. It wasn't crazy, but it is kind of interesting, you know? Yeah. So we had, um, 13 hours worth of people listening to that, 
it's one album it's like 45 minutes long right mm. so that's not not a ton but um 24 different listeners and 14 different countries which is kind of cool 14 different countries out of 24 cool. people yeah yeah that's, that's interesting. interesting one of them is me and in <laughs> i mean we never really did much promotion or anything for that band other than our our friends and family I kind of tell as, as many people that I hear listening, if I ever hear anybody listening to anything that's closely related to what our music is, I'll try and tell them like, hey, check us out. You know? Yeah, right. This band O'Connor. But, but we never toured. We never played live. And um, obviously we... <coughs> yet. <coughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, but for being in... For being having people listen in 14 countries, I mean, that's yeah, pretty that's, cool. That is neat. They must like. have found us either through Spotify or Bandcamp or, um, I, you know, I, I put our profile up on Sputnik Music, which is just a uh, general review, music right. review website. Yeah, It's pretty wild. Well, you guys, I'm taking vocal lessons soon, so I can be your singer. <laughs> <laughs> the guy I was talking to, the guy at work today, and he's like, if you're, he's like, you can only go if you're serious. I'm like, I'm serious, man. But I'm not gonna sing serious songs. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. His girlfriend's gonna teach me how to sing. That's pretty cool. She's a legit singer. Don't get me wrong. She's she's legit. But Is it's gonna she... be Saturdays. Maybe you could play in a like I don't know lounge against the machine uh, tribute band. Lounge against the machines. Or as like... long as they have a couch, so I can lounge on it. It's like a lounge band that does like popular rock songs like in rage against the machines yes that's why it's yeah gotcha well isn't um uh in the similar vein richard cheese he's a lounge act that does parodies of like popular songs come on oh yeah down with yeah. The signet, get up, i right? think that's the guy is that his name Richard Cheese or Dick Cheese? Dick Cheese, yeah. Now with the sickness, you better get up. Or get or actually, down are they even the parodies? Sickness. They're just lounge versions of yeah. like explicit that's what songs. Lounge against usually. The I wonder if that's what yeah. it is. Get up. Is that the band? And I think like it is. Richard Cheese and Lounge Against the Machine or something. Is that his band? I don't know. Yes, I just remember Dick Cheese. It is. Okay. okay. Richard Cheese and Lounge. <laughs> it's Dick Cheese, though. His name is Dick Cheese. <laughs> uh, it's Mr. Schmegma. Yeah, it's. It's. I think it's a joke about Schmegma. That's Dick Cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's pretty funny that we were talking about the same thing. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm like, if there's more than one lounge cover band, then yeah. that's amazing. Goddamn. Mhm, mhm, mhm. So I listened to. Our last podcast we had together today on the way in. Oh, did you really? With yeah. Q? With Q. That was, um, what, episode <laughs> 17? 17. 17, yeah. 17. Right? Looking and that was 17. called True Nothingness Can't Be Spoken Of. Yep. And um, it was pretty good. And we left off with with some things. And I was going to say something. Now I forgot what I was going to say. Like something that we were discussing in that episode? Yeah. Oh, well, I forgot. You forgot. How could, why would, how could you bring that up and forget it? Must have not so been I'm sorry, I'm sorry. that important. I had... Okay, no, I want to make a point. 
I was listening to the podcast for the first. I haven't, I haven't listened to it before. So I oh, you to, never listened to it? No. Oh, okay. So I was listening to it, and then oh, as yeah. as we were talking, I was thinking, I was like, oh, I can't remember the context, but you guys were talking about something, and I was thinking, oh, I hope they bring this up, and we brought it up at the end, and it closed everything up so smoothly. I was like, ooh, baby, and it was good. Okay. Just wanted to make. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. So. Yeah, that was a really good episode. It I was. Yeah, so if you guys haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to that, and then yeah. you can hear Q again, mm -hmm. he, which this is the first time we've had a repeat guest on the podcast. Really? Yes. No, no it is, yeah. yeah. This yeah, is yeah. true. If, I mean, when you're not counting uh, last calls or anything, but on like oh, proper yeah, TFK yeah. episodes, this is the first repeat guest. I mean, even when you count last calls, there's no other... Yeah, that no, that's not true. Because Mike Niedlek did a last call. He did? Oh no, he did do a last yeah. call. But yeah. that's a separate. Okay, it's I, still I, under I the same saying. feed, right? Yeah, right, right, yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. But um, under like our proper episode. Well, and titles. Patty did one too. And Patty, uh, Patty yeah. as well. Yes. I've been in on all the episodes, so I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah. <laughs> do you? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> James is our permanent guest, right? Yeah. Do you remember all of them? <laughs> no. I'm still... I So I recently listened to episode 17, maybe maybe two to three weeks ago. And that was the first time where I was... I really kind of listened to it in full. Okay. Um, instead of, like, breaking up into chunks. And I'm still kind of hung up a little bit on, like, whether or not suffering is beneficial and and I know that sort of you we kind of had this argument of or Q you were sort of saying like you know we can get to the same end goal but do we have to get there utilizing suffering. suffering as a tool as like a way of sort of achieving that end point right I guess yeah not if you could get to the same end point without suffering wouldn't you want to Intuitively, you'd say, "Yeah, right." Of course, mm -hmm. right. Um, but could you? Could you? Yes. That. See, that's the thing. Is like I don't think that question matters because as soon as you're born, there's going to be suffering. Sure. As soon as there's at least one human in the universe, you're going to have suffering. So, to posit like that, it's good, or I mean, it's just a feature of the universe that we inhabit. Sure. Because by virtue of the nature of the beings that we are, you know, as soon as now, you have is, desires, there's going to be suffering. Does that include both just physical suffering and mental suffering? This is like the umbrella of all suffering, right? Is that yeah. what we're... Okay. Yeah. So I kind of remember what I was... Now he brought that up. So when you were talking about the story of how Buddhism was started with the prince and he was... Um, in this like castle and he was kind of neglected from all suffering and bad things. Um, when we, we started talking about that, I started thinking um, about current times. And if like we could somehow end, you couldn't, you wouldn't die anymore. You could like, as, as time goes on and technology develops, you wouldn't see an old person because they would never age or you wouldn't see a sick person because they can't be sick anymore or see someone that would be dead because they live forever in a way through all these new technologies of people living forever, then that's eliminating a lot of suffrage in a way where like Buddhism wouldn't be Buddhism anymore 
and you kind of brought that up at the end in a point where when things kind of fuck i don't know if there's no more suffering is the buddhist project finished right is it null and void i think this is what you said yeah um and it brought it all full circle but yeah i mean i don't know is there is there going to be an end point i mean with all the technology we have there's still going to be some sort of suffrage in a way because even if if even if you don't die or your body isn't decomposing or whatever like if you're youthful in 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 your perfect state if they put put crispr motors in your body yeah 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 i mean there's still gonna be mental suffering right so Uh, not with enough drugs you know what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) not enough antidepressants there in um in buddhism there's uh and i sort of alluded to this but i didn't talk about them specifically um three types of suffering that the Buddha describes. And the first one is the suffering of suffering, which is the most grossest form. It's, you know, pain of birth, old age, sickness, and death, right? The second one is the suffering of change. Um, And that's the suffering that's associated with if things are going great now, it might not be that way for all forever. It's just a matter of time for your stuff. You lose the things you have or what have you. Um, the richest, most successful people in the world are not going to have their possessions forever. Um, and then you have all pervasive suffering, which is uh, generally background anxiety and insecurity that you sort of is sort of rooted in like a deep fear that life doesn't offer us stability or solid ground. And it can't necessarily because it's fundamentally transient and uh, impermanent. Um, this is like the most subtle one to sort of identify and see, but at the at the end of the day, even if you have technology that extends your life, that allows you to keep all your riches, you're still going to, the mountains are eventually going to crumble, you know, Right. Andromeda is going to crash into our solar system, or the mm. Milky Way rather, Yeah. eventually. The, so the yeah. sun will die. Like, yeah. 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 There's all these other things that are going to happen. Yeah, but why can't that be okay? Why can't that oh, be okay? If, if, oh, oh, oh! Yeah, if yeah. we if we come to terms with all that stuff, like, right? like well, that's and, the thing, and that's so, the thing is, I think it it's not it's not saying that it's supposed to be this good thing or this bad thing, but suffer like suffering, all the stuff that causes suffering, like that's just supposed to be like the canary in the coal mine that gets you to be like, whoa, shit, I need to maybe pursue things differently, so I'm not creating my own suffering and other people's suffering, and then there you go, you have Buddhism to do that. Sure. Um, but it doesn't necessarily, like, they're not necessarily saying... Would pleasure be considered suffering? How do you mean? Because on like, the face of it, that just sounds like a contradiction, right? Right. Yeah. Like, what if, like, you're into, like, getting your balls stomped on? It's painful, but Oh, you yeah, like yeah. It, So, you like, know? a masochist or something? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Interesting turn. The masochist wants to get their balls stomped on. So when the dominatrix comes in with the stilettos and he's all like getting happy, he's going to get his ball stomped on. Then she turns around and walks out. He's going to be upset. Right. He is. So that's Aww. still going to happen. Even if he has this perverted desire. <laughs> Poor gimp. Yeah. But that pain that he would, the gross suffering that he experiences gives right. him pleasure. Yeah. But right. what's suffering to one might not be suffering to another. Right. Oh, right. That, that's even just the gross level, but yeah, he can't hold on to that pleasure forever. And that's the mm-hmm. suffering of change. And the fact yeah. that nothing's going to be able to offer anything stable is the suffering of all pervasive suffering. Mm. There's some, isn't like just Christianity alone, their religion is about suffering, isn't it? Like, uh, what's, yeah. what's, I'm not really familiar <laughs> with it. Yeah. 
Just like, walk you into your local Catholic church and you tell me if that, Catholic you know, media. that ripped bloody dude on the wall is, if that's about he violence died for your sins, or not. bro. Yeah. And like, you have to, like, I've only, I'm not, I'm not familiar with religion at all. Um, but like in a lot of movies, when those like hardcore priests were like, you know, they're wearing the chains around their legs, like the sharp barbed wire and like whipping themselves in the back. Uh, like, waka Like yes. they need to suffer for their yes. sins, you know? That is a particular form of asceticism, which is like you're doing these things to yourself to get to a higher mental state. So Indian yogis do the same thing. They might not eat for a while. I mean, we talked about this with the Buddha story. Like he he meditated with all these different um, meditation masters. He learned all their techniques and some of them, you know, you're not eating for days on end or you're subjecting yourself to extreme heat or extreme cold. Any of these bodily uh, trials are gonna are meant to push you mentally or spiritually. So yeah. something like uh, a you know a middle age um, dark ages monk rather whipping himself with a cat of nine tails as he recites some Latin verse. I mean that's he's doing that for that purpose and also because he does view himself as unworthy. Because in my opinion, Christianity has a shame problem. Yeah. Shame. So is that kind of like um, in Monty Python and the Holy Grail I was when, just those, gonna bring when that those monks up. are reciting that uh, that yes. Latin thing, which always pops in, and they, with the boards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's see that what they, that's brilliant because they took this thing and all they did was they changed it from whipping to hitting yourself in the face and they made it incredibly comical, like way yes. more comical oh, than just whip like whipping yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all just, the same times like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It just reveals the absurdity. P.A. Domine, Doma Eis Requiem, whatever that means. I, I, I still, I remember that from watching it a bunch when I was a kid, and I never looked it up. I was just thinking about this the Slide. other day. You want me to... Uh... I, I will yeah, uh, shit, quality control it, and, and we'll do that in the end of this episode, definitely. The Latin from Holy Grail, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Q, um, yeah. in, in, in regard of like Siddhartha... You know, growing up in the palace, um, never really being exposed to like his parents. Their whole idea was to shield Siddhartha from exposure to suffering. Yes, and it wasn't until he went out into the city where he saw the sick, he saw the death, he saw the hunger, he saw he saw these things, and you know, like part of his growth, part of his journey. And it ex- was the exposure of suffering. So it, in actuality, it was part of his growth and achieving the, that enlightenment. I mean, suffering played a, a role in that. Right. So so why can't, yeah. why can't there be a benefit to suffering? Much, much like when you think... In and of itself think- or instrumentally? Because in his case, it's entirely instrumental. Now, if you start saying that, yes, because it got him to his better place and that better place is a good place, then the way that got him there is good. If that's what you're saying, then you're also saying something similar to, well, we've got a bunch of people with cancer, and instead of treating them, it'd be cheaper to euthanize them all. Mm, Okay. Like the ends Mm -hmm. justify the means or something like that. Sure. So it's not really like... That's probably a poor analogy, but it's So is it like your interpretation of suffering or like how it applies in a certain context well that's i mean, I mean this is yeah. i mean this is in that got, case I, it, it would be instrumental but that doesn't mean that the suffering in itself has its own intrinsic value 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that this like these nuances is where I'm getting hung up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I think here's here's like the first claim: there's going to be suffering because there's humans in the world, and that's just the way it is. Suffering, it's part of the package. Sure. Sure. And there's a way that can sort of mitigate or attenuate this suffering, you know, enter Buddhism, what have you. Um, but that doesn't mean that the suffering is necessarily good or bad. Yeah, it might spurn you to this new way, but some people might not even, some people might not even feel the all-pervasive suffering. They may just like go along sort of happy-go-lucky, immune to... I don't know, some of the trials that the rest of us face, maybe. Okay. But... Like, people that aren't necessarily aware or paying attention to... Or, like... Yeah, they might have a comfortable life or be in, like, a bubble or something. Yeah, exactly. Sort of, like, things have fallen fortunate for them, and they don't Mm -hmm. really experience a lot of this type of thing. And then I would say that they're robbed of a greater understanding of suffering and how to sort of overcome it, and... Yeah, they might because not get to that lack point of without exposure? having suffering. Because of lack of exposure. Lack of exposure. But I don't know if that's what makes the suffering good. Now, yeah, it is, it is a nuance and it is a technical point. I feel like there's probably a compelling way to explain that suffering can be valuable instrumentally, but not intrinsically. Buddhists would probably say that nothing has any value intrinsically. There is no intrinsic value or essence to anything. Right. So suffering... Um, couldn't be that way either. So, so I guess I don't want to like I don't want to label it. I don't want to assign it like a morality, like good or bad. Yeah. Okay. Oh, is that, is that what sort of like your bristling? But at? but but using it as a as a as a tool as a as a an approach to growth. Right. So like like if you think of like what is this like uh like uh oh shit True Detective season one where uh the rust Cole is is matthew mcconaughey's yeah, character yeah, yeah. he's 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 talking about like um in eternity where there is no time nothing can grow nothing become yes so so death created time to kill the things that you know it would become or whatever yeah yeah bullshit like that like like q was saying earlier uh, the change right the suffering of change because you don't have if you don't have time you don't have change right right because thing ha- things have to pass for change you know, over time, time yeah. exactly but yeah, the delta or whatever mm. but that's a good thing though the, that that growth i mean that that that's is it of... a good thing now, now who's putting a moral term on it but, yeah. but i mean no right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i guess, I guess I mean, that's, that's the whole thing yeah, so you know you might if you look at the along. perspective of a kid, of like a child who, I mean, their their perceptive of the world is the present time. It's it's the now. It, right. They don't really give a shit about the past or the future. It's whatever's happening now. And I, I guess when you kind of look at that, it's like the purest form of like uh, sort of like innocence and like lack of suffering because there's they don't. They're sort of living in that moment, much like the rest of the natural world. You know, plants, animals, every everything on this planet, aside from humans, are sort of living in the present moment. I don't think that's necessarily true, because to live in the present moment, you have to have no conception of deliberation or planning or no conception of the past. Now, we've been able to study animals that like a beaver, for example, is going to build a dam. Sure. That's a big project for a beaver. Sure. It's a building project. 
It's going to have some sort of at least deliberative idea about what it's doing, about what it's building, about the whole endpoint of this. Yeah, it's all instinct, and there might not be like fancy symbolic language that's directing it all, but yeah. that's still deliberative. That's still forward thinking. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I guess and much like, it, a, like, like a like a squirrel who prepares for the winter time, like exactly. the hibernation or, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, all right, okay. So that's not necessarily in the present either. It's, it's um, you probably would like Taoism because it's, that's more like what you're describing, what the, what the world does, not living in the moment, but like what Taoism describes is the way. It's just kind of effortless action. Things are happening, but you're not like, consciously deliberating about that they'll you'll hear Taoist sages talk a lot about um spontaneous action and in Taoism this happens by stri stripping away all your acculturations okay until you get to a like a, a very pure state of nature it's a deconstructive project where your your end point is to be integrated with the way so much that there's no conflict you're like water flowing amongst rocks in a stream right but mm. I mean couldn't isn't that sort of like the Buddhist way too, you know, just kind of like, hey man, maybe they're like, maybe like they have it's okay, the same sort of thing. It's okay that things are happening, and it's it it is okay. Oh yeah, no, that's it, that's good because if there wasn't, it's just like what Seth said, if there wasn't any change, then you wouldn't. Not only would you not have suffering, but you wouldn't have uh, nirvana. You wouldn't have moksha. You wouldn't be able to get out of it. You wouldn't be able to do anything about it. Sure. So, Everything would just be, right? It would just be yeah. in one. You'd be in one state. Yeah. Right? And this like was this, exactly, yeah. You're zero or one, right? Yeah. You're on or you're off. You're on or you're right? off. And then <laughs> that was actually one of their, they have a, Buddhism has a long uh, standing, not conflict, argument, feud, I don't know, a position against uh, Hinduism, particularly on the point of the existence of an Atman or soul. Okay. Um, which they argue is, you know, this thing can't exist because if it did, it would be permanent, right? Because if it's if you die and it continues on, then it's it's permanent. If it's mm. been in another body, it's in this one and it's going to keep going, then it's permanent. If that's the case, then it never changes. And if it can't change and if it can't die and if it can't grow, then it's totally static and that doesn't make any sense for something to persist like that. Right, what's the point of of moving on into permanency? If there's no like that idea of permanency doesn't make sense because right it would if it's if it's if something is permanent like a hundred percent it's unchanging it's eternal then that means that there there can't be any changes within it oh geez oh yeah right oh, right right so so if all of us have souls right and they've all they're permanent that means they've always existed and they've never changed and they always will exist. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> no, dude, think about it, right? What's, like you can't grow as a person. And if you are growing as a person, then it's not your soul. It's something else. Yeah. So because so, the soul's static, right? So if, if, if my soul has existed since time zero or whatever, then how come I can't, how come I'm not aware of my soul or I don't know anything that it experienced? Like, the whole um that's the obvious questions like how yeah. come i can't see it how come yeah, we can't right, find it right right yeah and even like reincarnation like do souls get transferred like right that's that's what stuff, I was thinking. you know well isn't the whole idea of like reincarnation is um you're sort of as you grow as your soul grows more wise more it 
it sort of completed more of these transformations. It kind of like it gets better and better and better in the in the sort of the better life you live, the the payoff. There like in, there's a payoff at the end. There's in, a payoff in the next in world. In the general Indian tradition, yes. Or like you there's sort a of payoff in and, that transfer. You're, you're either trying to like do better and better or at least not slip worse and worse. Right. But that, that means whole there's notion, a point system then. That doesn't make sense though. Like how does that how do you get better and better or worse and worse if your soul is unchanging? Right. What's then, getting yeah. better? What's yeah. getting worse? What's changing? And how can mm-hmm. it? And how do you get feedback from that? And that means there's a point system like <laughs> How do you like tap into show? the soul? Yeah. <laughs> well, and then you and then you throw in like you said, it's like uh what is it like luck and circumstance? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And sort of you get thrown to these certain what do you die as this a lifestyle that develops yeah. these default programming of your of your sense of the world. Yeah. And you have to try to operate based off of that default those default programs. And so where does your soul kind of play or how does it influence that that programming? I don't know. What if you get reincarnated as a worm? Like, how many good or bad deeds do you do? You just eat dirt and shit it out. Like, can you be like yeah. give your fellow worm like a better nutrient piece of dirt? So, like, you know what, bro? You like, you get in, this one in various uh, Buddhist or Hindu traditions. You might have someone who gets reborn in a really shitty position, a rat or a worm, and it might take a hundred thousand kalpas. A kalpa itself is like a crazy amount of time, so it might take this interminable amount of time to get out of that, but it'll eventually happen. That's what. <laughs> so, that's one. That's one position. So quick, weird, like story. I got. I've had like a few times where I've like felt like time's gone by faster, and one of them was when I was like super duper high, and I was like re. It could have been something else. I smoked weed, but it was probably laced with something. But I remember <laughs> like, baby, like like these gods, and they were like um like the the face cards of a of a card they're all looking down at like me. the, the, the queen king and, and the queen yeah, and, the and, the, ju- and the jack, the jack yeah. and then you know the ace of hearts i mean the ace of jacks or mm, whatever the jack of queens the jack of queens <laughs> they're all looking down at me and then like i was reincarnated as like a worm but then i had to go through all the steps to come back it was really trippy but i remember that it took a long ass time to reincarnate myself what was that name of time <clears throat> it was fucked up kalpa kalpa k-a-l-p-a yeah. okay so to, if you to be started at a wor- worm, you got to work your way all the way up. Is human like the best position? So like that's an interesting. First off, I just want to make a note that the way Buddhism handles reincarnation and karma, which is tightly tied to reincarnation in a lot of people's minds, is uh, interesting and kind of tricky and not without its quirks. So I'm not going to totally get into that. But the answer to your question of uh, is the human realm the best realm? Yes. Yes, it is because it's the only realm in which uh, people can do anything about their situation. So in the Tibetan tradition, particularly, they have six different realms of existence. There's the hell realm, the hungry ghost realm, the animal realm, the human realm, the titan realm, and the god realm. I guess that's seven. So you got human in the middle, Animal, Hungry Ghost, and Hell below, and Titan and God above. Is that right? Or is that six? That sounds like six. 
I thought I counted five. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, don't the, point, hungry yeah. ghosts, the point is, hungry ghosts, hell, hungry ghosts, human, <laughs> titan it's, gods. It's like, that's like your traditional version of hell. You're, it's fiery, it's horrible, it's awful. Typically, if you've done a lot of anger-based, uh, quote, sin, again, that's, a, I guess, a European term, then you'll end up in that hell. Okay, I get you. But so if you are greedy, We can never become titans or gods, right? Well, no, you, you could, but... A Titan realm is like Hercules. It's like the best way I can describe <laughs> it is like a like a wannabe god. Like they live longer and they're stronger and they have all this power and stuff, but they are always sort of jealous or uh, in competition with other Titans to get higher up. So wannabe it's a, it's a, it's a realm that's riddled with competition and jealousy. A god realm is that's like celebrities. Yeah, you're like you mean you're you live for a really long time, not forever, but a long time. You have incredible like um, luxury, blah blah blah. Sounds but like the danger of that realm is is sort of falling into a stupor or a tranquility that sort of numbs the mind mm. because you're so everything's so good you don't want to do anything about it. When you're a human, things are just good and just shitty enough where you do want to do things about it. Because if you're an animal, they call the animal realm um, the realm of. Uh, instinct because that's what animals do they just sort of interact with their environment in a non um heavily deliberative or heavily like cognitive way it's just you know environment reaction environment reaction or what have you there's not a lot of effort in there to sort of get out of your suffering if you're just only trying to get food trying to mate trying to sleep trying to get warm um and below that the hungry ghost realm is typically where people who have been greedy go and that's they're characterized as having these tiny little mouths and these big bloated bellies and they're so hungry, they just want to eat, but they can't fit anything to their tiny little mouths. <laughs> little so it's like bits. constantly frustrated and constantly hungry. Little bits. Did we yeah. talk about this before? This no. sounds really familiar. No, this is If new. we did, I think so me, I have a me lot and of Q questions might have right now. talked about this because this sounds kind of familiar to me. Yeah, I think I, I probably have. I have yeah. multiple questions. Okay, well, before so, you say anything, again, okay. this is just sort of from the tradition. Right. Of These the aren't going to be serious questions. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Never mind. <laughs> Question one. Yes. Okay. You are reincarnated as a pet dog. You are an animal, but you are treated with kindness and awesomeness. You don't have to worry about any instinctual things. I mean, you can. Obviously, you react. You're not worrying food, at all. But you don't but have to worry about being warm. I mean, shit, some of them can just bang whenever they want. They get food whenever they want. Would that be like... You're Ricardo as an animal, but you didn't do too bad as a human, so we're gonna make you into a pet. Okay, hold on. That's rather than rather than be your pet dog, what if you're reincarnated as peaches? Okay, you got it good. Yeah. <laughs> you got it good. Well, that's the thing. Is like, yeah, and if so, there's if anything. Hold on, sorry. If anything, a pet is like almost a god in the animal because they're just massaged and fed as much as they need to be. Right. I would love yeah. to be my dog. He doesn't have to work. He doesn't. He gets fed two or three times a day, and when I get home, he gets rub downs. He's massaged. Like that's like I would prefer that in a way than being a <laughs> well, human, <yeah. laughs> especially yes. if you're in a human not in America. Oh well, in yeah. Like a shittier no, country. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So but, that's an interesting, interesting question. Yeah. Um, I think, and again, there's like a whole like uh, there's lots of folklore tales around you know, previous li- previous lives of the Buddha or what have you. So there's a lots of these questions you're talking about have been not answered, but addressed at one way or another. But like, um, 
Yeah, if you were a really good human, but not like the greatest, you might, yeah, you might come back as someone's pet. It could be worse. You could be like a coyote with mange somewhere. Um, or you could be like some suffering pig in a slaughterhouse or what have you. So, right. yeah, it's they do make those sort of allowances. But again, this is only part of the tradition. And um, typically the tradition that's in Asia, not like the sort of global Buddhist tradition. So there is regression based off of like, like, okay, so... I mean, I guess, I mean, we're getting a little bit deep into this where it kind of doesn't matter, but it's interesting. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. So every human Mm -hmm. who's existing right now, every human who's listening to this podcast, us, everybody's just sort of navigating this world in the sense of um, we came from the hungry ghosts. We've, we've, We've worked our way up the ladder of hell to achieve this point and sort of how we're living our lives now determines whether or not we can reach the next tier or regress back into, you know, down the ladder. Well, you don't... Is that is that the idea? Not everyone starts... You don't always start at the bottom. I mean, who knows? Maybe I don't in know. in your previous life I mean, you were a titan. I don't know. So, yeah, um, regression or advancement. First off, it's not really like a ladder... I don't know if everyone starts in hell or in the hungry ghost realm. You might have been in a Titan realm before or a God realm. I'm not sure. Okay, hold on. I don't want to ruin it, but we can get to the God level. Uh, yeah, but that's <laughs> okay. not really the point. That's what Buddhism <laughs> Buddhism's arguing. That's not the point because you're still going to have suffering there. Mm. So that you want to not be in this cycle at all. So the concept. Can you get a, okay. Well, yeah. According to Buddhism, you can. And there, the the notion of this is. Uh, nirvana or um, the actual original term is nibbana which is a different language but all that means is extinguishment so early on when western scholars were introduced to Buddhism they were they were uh, they really thought of it as a pessimistic sort of like really dismal religion because they thought it had not it was like all about nothing and it's all about suffering and all this other stuff but that's not necessarily the case. I mean, the idea of extinguishment is extinguishing your desire and your desire is what breeds suffering. So if you extinguish that flame of desire, then you're sort of free from the cycle of, you know, perpetuated suffering. So, but the idea of going up or down, I mean, again, I think we couldn't do a good job doing justice to the nuanced contemporary positions surrounding Buddhism that take a critical look towards reincarnation and the idea of karma. But from a traditional, the more religious side of things, yes, you would do things that in this life either affect you in this life or in future lives. And that's kind of how they metaphysically ground their morality. In the Again, on the religious side, not necessarily on the philosophical side. It's more technical and nuanced on that side. But yeah, if you lived for a bunch of different lifetimes and you know that your future lifetimes were affected by how you acted now, then yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to be a dick, would you? Right. Yeah. So the Buddhist, if being a Buddhist monk, if they did have goals, their main goal would be to achieve full enlightenment, right? Yeah. So in a way, if we were all in this 
religion in a way. If this was the this was the way of life and this is how everything works, mm-hmm. we're all in this like number game of doing right and wrong, and we get points and the, the more wrongs and the more rights would determine on where you would go in these steps. They're like being full being full enlightened. You would be almost stepping out of this number game, which is like you are Neo and you're getting out of the Matrix and we're in the Matrix and being fully enlightened, you would be stepping out of the Matrix and looking in, right? That's one of the biggest, most obvious parallels between Buddhism and the Matrix, yeah, is the idea that you're taking yourself out of that. And that's the, and that's, that is like the point is they're trying to get you out of this samsara, this cycle of suffering, this where you're just... You're suffering, and then you might do better. You might end up a titan, but you're still suffering. You might get worse. You might end up as a worm. You're still suffering, but it doesn't matter. You're still going to re- be reborn and reborn and reborn and reborn. The idea is to not be, to stop your future rebirths. So early conceptions of, of uh, Nirvana um, talked about Nirvana with remainder and Nirvana without remainder. And I'm just trying to give the quick and dirty on this. Basically, one of them is you reach this point and you stay alive and then you die a natural death or you reach this point like at death. So there are lots of different Buddhist practices that involve sort of different uh, practices, meditations and whatnot when you're maybe at the end of your life or what have you. Um, Because again, in certain Buddhist traditions, at that point in your life when you're almost dead, it's a very sort of charged time and you can take advantage of that if you're sort of extra diligent, more pious, or what have you. But if you don't, it could have bad bad results as well. Now, the reason I keep mentoring, mentioning this sort of contemporary philosophical position is because if you really think about this notion of rebirth and karma, karma being the thing that gets you... I mean, we all have a sort of idea of karma, like, oh, you know, the asshole is going to get his due one day. Or what have you, or some sort of like cosmic bank account that like Mm. keeps track of everyone's deeds. But really, I mean, the word itself just means action. But the sort of conception of it, again, on the religious side and the popular conception of it is that your karma sort of dictates where you're going to go, like you were saying. Like, oh, if you do better, you get to a better place, or if you do worse, you get to a worse place. But... Does that mean, I know one of you guys mentioned like a a stillborn child or imagine a child that dies of some horrible genetic mutation at two months or something like that. How can they make bad or good decisions? Exactly. So certain uh, people. I have a problem with, sorry, keep going. There are those in, those who subscribe to this belief of rebirth and karma that will say, yes, that beggar child on the street did something horrible in their past life and sucks to be them. And yeah. that's not a really a very humane way to look at things. So I keep mentioning this contemporary position because it's like you can sort of distill out tenets of Buddhism, you know, suffering and trying to alleviate suffering and getting a better, clearer idea of what's going on so you don't suffer as much. And I don't know if you can really sort of reconcile these main tenets with something so callous as like this beggar child doesn't deserve my compassion because they messed up in a previous life. Yeah, that is dark. Mm. So there is this sort of dark side of karma that um, I don't subscribe to because I don't adopt the whole karma thing, reincarnation thing, in the way that it's traditionally understood. Yeah, I wouldn't agree with that either because... Because, because yeah. 
because in a way you're almost doing a bad deed by not helping someone else when they're in need of help. That seems pretty obvious to me. Yeah, me too. So if you're going to do that and then justify it by saying it's their karma, that just seems like a perversion of the doctrine. Yeah, that's just making your religion work for you. Yeah. In your own way. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's why I have a problem with uh, Christianity when you're like, oh, you have to be baptized or your your baby's going to go to hell or some crazy well, shit. And that's like what? That's uh, Catholicism or Protestantism? I don't yeah. know. Don't ask me. I don't know shit. I know you get uh, baptized in Catholicism. I yeah, was as a, baptized. As a yeah. baby, was, right? Yeah, as, as a, a baby, baby. yes. I was, ba- baby. I was baptized as a baby. As a, as a mere babe. Yeah. See, I was as baptized a as a teenager in a lake. Oh shit! That sounds yeah. way more cool because I, I don't remember. I don't remember mine. That sounds <laughs> culty. It, it was also. It was. Uh, it was way more culty. Which lake, though? <laughs> so I can. Oh, go dude, there. I don't know. The church was in Hudson, Mass. So, I have no idea. Man. Yeah. Um. So, I always made this. I kind of relate. I feel like I relate to reincarnation in a way because I always, I always, people always talk about like, oh, you have an old soul. Or like you were born in the wrong time, kind of thing. You're yeah. Like, oh, you can tell this person, and like they they can people relate to like other times. Or like, oh, I should have been born twenty years ago, or I should this guy should be born. You know, he should be born a hundred years from now because he's so, you know, smart. That's or, called you know, anach- anachronism, right? Yes, an anachronism is something that's out of time. Yeah. But it's funny in all those examples. This is probably just a casual slip of your tongue. It's always men. It's always men. It's always men. You know, you should have been born thirty years ago. You would fit right in. No one ever says that to a woman because it was. No, I mean, I mean, I've seen like <laughs> people, so like like a singer, yeah, right, like a. Right. Oh yeah, that could. But like comparing like a young girl who sings like Janet, Janis Joplin or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, like oh, you should have been born in the seventies. You know, because mm, yeah. you. I don't know where your influences came from, but you sound like someone who was right. a singer back. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, but I think that kind of goes back to like. You're just if you're looking for a pattern, you're gonna find it. Like, I mean, it just seems like you can fit that anywhere. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You could, but there's some things that are like so unique that you're like, how the hell did you like a kid? Like, say a kid who has never li- really listened to music, and then all of a sudden he just blues music and he starts singing like a blues player from like the fucking you know 50s or 40s, and you're like, whoa, bro, where did you get that? Well, yeah, and that there are. I mean, dude, there are countless stories about llamas in northern India and Tibet and Nepal that uh, recall crazy details from alleged past lives and whatnot. There's like a lot of kind of spooky stuff that's been said by some of these uh, figures in Buddhism and Hinduism as well that make you really kind of wonder about it. But yeah, that being said, I'm not convinced by anecdotes necessarily. Mm. Yeah. Um, isn't and that I how think, you did? De- what? Isn't that how you determine the Dalai Lama? Is like you have to pick a toy or a piece of object that that's was the one, previous Dalai yeah. Lama's thing. It's part of it, yeah. And it's it, a lot and, of things, but that is part of it, yeah. And it and it like that would be crazy to like. Do they just test like hundreds of kids or hundreds of people? You'd be like, oh, he picked the right one. Now you grab this group, and then I got to pick the next one, and then. No, it seems it's, like more well, of a chance. Like I said, that's part of it is is association with previous llamas art, artifacts, but also um, there's some amount of like there seems to be, and again, this is all anecdotal. This is all from the spiritual religious side of the tradition, but there seems to be 
indications that a llama that's about to pass is sort of like pointing his followers in the direction of where to find his reincarnation. Um, so it might be a certain amount of like maybe prophecy or what have you and mm-hmm. like take these five items and what have you. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird stuff, man. I don't know if it's if it's because I have a negative outlook on life or what, but I always see the corruption in that. And like they always have some negative like weird reason why they're like, oh, you know what? Look at this kid. Yeah, it's because his parents gave me $10 million. Well, if you want to see, well, if you want to see how uh, reincarnation has been politically corrupted, then just look at um, all of the Chinese Chinese backed llamas that uh, have set up shop in China and Tibet that have denounced other llamas or teachers that have claimed to be reincarnations or the head of some school. Like there's this one. It's a different school of Buddhism. So the Dalai Lama is one school of Tibetan Buddhism. There's another school of Tibetan Buddhism where the leader is called a Kadampa. And there's like two Kadampas right now because one of them is backed by China. One of them is backed by the actual Tibetan people. And obviously the one backed by China is going to tell his followers to love China rather right. than the one that's... Because so it's, it's a really messy situation. And yes, it can be sort of corrupted. Do you ever feel like uh, if religions existed, they already gave up on people because they're just so terrible now? Well, I don't know how the religion would give up on on, on someone. That I don't know. There's got to be a sentient. there's got to be a god, right? There's a ruler of all religions, right? There's got to be a god in some sort and be like you determines so? all these things. You think so? I feel I feel like there's a top guy in everyone. I think if there was, why the fuck would he give a shit about this planet? The universe is immense. What do you mean? Yeah, We're the only right? living things right. in the entire universe and all the universes. <laughs> <laughs> this world is flat, Q. Get used to it. <laughs> oh, God. See, I'm still hung up on what's the more fun word, llama or kadampa? I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Kadampa's, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, isn't that isn't that Trump's wife? Isn't that her name? Kadampa, Kadampa Trump? Trump? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. The combination of those words is unsettling for some yeah, reason. It's quite, <laughs> <laughs> quite. You heard it here folk, first, folks, on the TFK podcast. Down for Trump. That, that will be the title of this episode. <laughs> oh, God. Kadampa, uh, Kadampa TFK Trump. with Kadampa Trump with Q. <laughs> um, uh, Kadampa Trump, the hungry ghost, perhaps? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, oh, silly. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean the whole the whole reincarnation karma thing. It's it's an interesting and messy problem to think about, especially if you take Buddhism seriously and you want to sort of suss out the legitimate or what you think or what seems legitimate out from it. Um, that's something you're gonna have to deal with. And this karma. is this is like separate from Buddhism. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> So the notion of reincarnation is a pan-Indian belief, and the notion of karma is also a pan-Indian belief. You see it in Hinduism, in Jainism, in Buddhism. Um, So it's not exclusive to Buddhism, but the way Buddhism sort of accommodates it or tries to, I think, uh, indicates certain doctrinal positions. So I I have a question that uh, something that you brought up mentioned like multiple times throughout this podcast, like the distinction or um, the distinction between 
philosophical Buddhism and religious Buddhism, right? Yeah. So it, I, I imagine that there's overlap there, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. But um, what is like, yeah, because you go in, I guess, go into detail between the, the difference, like not super detail, but just okay. like in general, no. like who practices or is one a, pra a religious practice and the other is just like phil philosophy, like. So there is a lot of Buddhist philosophy started with people that were practicing Buddhists, obviously. Okay. Yes. Just like a lot of European philosophy started with monks who were practicing Christianity. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mostly because they're the ones that had access to books and reading. True. But similarly, you have, you know, you might have neighbors that go to church every Sunday to some, mm -hmm. I don't know, Episcopalian or whatever denomination of choice uh, church. But they don't necessarily stay up all night reading like St. Augustine or all these um, pillars of early church thinking that are writing philosophy, but it's heavily, it's in the service of Christianity. It's related mm -hmm. to Christian ideas. It might be an argument for the existence of God, but within that argument for the existence of God, there's all this other philosophical machinery going on. A similar thing happens in India. You have monks that are creating systems or, or uh, elucidating ideas that all sort of explain things in Buddhism, um, but it's all sort of in this religious context. Um, there, there are philosophical treatises Treaties, treatises that start with uh, like a religious invocation or like a praise to various bodhisattvas or what have you and it sounds very religious but then you start getting into it and it's like oh well this is very dry and technical so that makes it kind of messy so on one end you have early sort of uh, religious history bleeding into the, the philosophy as time goes on what I the distinction the major distinction I'm trying to make is between uh, through basically globalized Buddhism as a philosophy. So with that, you've got people studying in, you know, North American, South American, European, Asian, African, Australian schools, like the notions of um, non-self or suffering or impermanence or what have you, and sort of like trying to figure out how this looks as a philosophical and cohesive system. Now, what they're doing is maybe extrapolating certain points, maybe uh, de-emphasizing things that don't hang so well together with this other network of things that are all Buddhist, but they're trying to not necessarily systematize, but elucidate loosely a system that all is Buddhist, but also um, importantly naturalized. And what I mean by that is um, getting rid of all of the supernatural stuff. So okay. know, the gods, yeah. the devils, the reincarnation and whatnot. And mm -hmm. um, there's like a... Uh, and a lot of this, I, I only know this through like the scholarly tradition. I don't know how well known some of these people are to anyone else, but uh, like there's this book called The Bodhisattva's Brain, Buddhism Naturalized by Owen Flanagan. And that's a really um, a good example of a Western, highly educated philosopher grappling with these ideas, trying to figure out how we can naturalize them, uh, reconcile them with our best science and things that we know from other domains um, and try to get something meaningful out of it. So it's interesting. And a lot of it has been pretty successful academically. So that's the thing. That's the philosophical side of it. The religious side of it could be where you're taking 
the existence of hungry ghosts and titans and gods and uh, various different forms of Buddha and Bodhisattvas all as granted or mm -hmm. as given. Yes. Yeah. Um, and now there's another way. So I obviously sort of fall more on the philosophical side of it, but you can view these sort of religious symbols as illuminating if you understand that a culture's uh, cosmology reflects its psychology. So what I mean by that is, I might probably mentioned this to you before, mm -hmm. but like, uh, think of like a Greek pantheon, right? So they have a goddess of beauty, a goddess of a god of wine, a god of war. These are clearly Bacchus, the things. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bacchus. Yeah, yeah my, my boy. Um, Allah. <laughs> they, some of this. Those like Bacchus. Lets you know what is important to the Greeks. Yeah. Similarly, yeah. when you look at different bodhisattvas and whatnot, it tells you a little bit about the psychology of whatever region that various deities are associated with. So I don't think you should. Oh, and in, in addition, these realms, like, another way to think about this that I thought was interesting is you could think of them as psychological. So, yeah, if you're an angry guy, you might not die and go to a literal hell. But one way to think about these different realms is, like, if you are angry, then your whole world has become colored in a different way. You see mm. everyone else is maybe, like, out to get you. Everything's about to piss you off. Similarly, if you're greedy, everything is scarce. There's not enough of anything around. So not enough money. Steal what you have. People are trying to get what I have. I got to get people away from me. So in a way, you are creating this hell. You are living in a hell if you have these sort of, sort of uh, ways of thinking, ways of being in the world. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. man, oh. That, that makes a lot of sense though. Because like, there's people that I meet that just have completely different outlooks on life that I just can't understand. Yeah. Like I have people who are just like greedy to the core, and I'm like, I don't understand. Like like how they either had some sort of childhood trauma or what, but they're just like, this is mine. I need it. If you take something, you owe me this, this and that. And yeah. it's like, it's so bizarre because I yeah, can't it relate compute. to it. Yeah, exactly. I can't relate to it. And like even people who are like extremely stressed out and worrisome about life and just everything, I don't, I can't compute that either. And it's mm. like, dude, just relax. There's no, there's no, I don't what. No, continue. Yeah, continue. There's no, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's Similarly, you can see it on the other end. Like I, I know some uh, very affluent people for whom $500, $1,500 means a hell of a lot different to me than it does to them. Mm, Their right. world looks different. When they have yeah, that right. much money, they don't have to worry about much. So what are they going to get spurned to do? Not a whole lot, maybe. I don't know. Maybe make more money. I don't know. But they're not – they view things differently. I can yeah. understand so, like the, the the value of a dollar is different from them to me. Yeah, but it's not even it's it wouldn't even be money, as a it could be food. Well, yeah, but it yeah, all be, the things that come with that. So if you're yeah, right, you have that yeah. much money, then obviously I don't know you. Uh, you have a lot more access to healthcare. You have a lot more access to uh, reliable vehicles and housing. All these things. So that's going to completely change the way that your world looks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like um, if you have if you have to do your own laundry versus paying somebody else to do it for you, yeah, like you know, there's all these little little things that it, are these, different. These influence your. I mean, this goes back to what you were saying with like luck. I mean, this influences your default settings. This this influences. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think. That's this I mean, this that's builds, not a Buddhist point. That's just a that's just a point about. The creatures that we seem to be, we're products of nature, we live in nature, we're part of nature. Nature operates on this basis whereby 
the state of the world in one moment determines the state of the world the moment after, right? Yeah. Right. You throw a bunch of billiard balls in the air, take a snapshot, one frame, and then you take another snapshot. Where they are in the second frame is determined by where they are in the first one. Mm-hmm. And that's like it, if you take a snapshot of the whole universe. I don't see how it could be any other way, but we seem to think that we're special and separate from nature because we have these big fancy brains that allow us to think reflectively about things. <laughs> <laughs> but we should still be subject to nature. It just might take a little bit longer, a little bit more convoluted. So the state of the world a moment ago where we're all talking about whatever, and now this moment where we're talking about this, is a direct result of that. And that goes for motivations, desires, preferences, choices. All of those things come from somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's all about that change, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So what about like the seven deadly sins? <laughs> like if if you were to <laughs> it, it's so it after listening to one religion and thinking of another, it almost like contradicts itself in a way where like what, one makes what, way what? more sense than the other one. <laughs> so oh, really? I don't, <laughs> it's weird. It's like how can you be how can greed in a way be a sin? if the way you were brought up was almost sinful or it couldn't, you wouldn't be able to like not change how you are. You know, does that make sense? I don't know. You're just talking about contradictions between different religious yeah, beliefs. I guess, but cause I'm trying to tie in the luck thing with the seven deadly sins. Well, the I know it's a the, fucking the weird thing, but seven deadly sins is like a arbitrary list of things that are supposed to be worse than other things. Now I know Christianity talks about cardinal sins and also cardinal virtues, which are on the other hand, on the other side. So I don't know well, what, if, I don't know what's what the like, sins are, and I don't know if yeah. any of them are one of the any of them or all of them belong in the set of the seven deadly sins. But I think the notion is they're just sins that are particularly they're just like frowned bad, upon things, I guess? like well, unattractive I'm, qualities in a person. Can you, can you name them? I know a few: gluttony, lust, greed. Um, Gluttony, I don't know. There's lust, one when you sloth, greed, pride, sloth, anger, pride. anger. Oh, anger's one. It's either jealousy? anger or like, um, yeah, it is jealous. Envy. It's envy. Envy. I envy. was thinking, envy is the one when you look at yourself all the envy, time. Envy. Envy's the head in the box. That that's the Gwyneth Paltrow head in the box. Oh my god. Oh my! What's in the box? <laughs> right. What's yeah. in the fucking box, oh, what's man? In the fucking box, man. <laughs> What's in the box? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Those are like... I don't I feel know. like That's... those would just be, what are the seven unattractive qualities you find in a, in a spouse or a person? And it'd be like <laughs> greed and lust and jealousy. <laughs> oh well, and God, that gluttony. would be... <laughs> right. No, right. It's like It'd a dating like, game. Yeah, it is. It really is. And it's probably... Okay. So the seven deadly sins are, are, the, are the cardinal sins. Yeah. Right. Okay. One and the same. Right. Yeah. Or capital <laughs> sins. It's a certain classification of vice within Christ, within Christian teaches, although it does not appear explicitly in the Bible. Oh, interesting! But so there's a lot of that, that, though, right? Ah, uh, the one we were missing was pride. No, he said pride. Oh. He did, but we didn't count on our hands. I was oh. thinking that. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so they are contrary to seven uh, virtues. So you'll see a lot of that sort of mirroring of good and evil in in Christianity. Duality of Duality, yeah. yeah. The technical term for it. Here's a fun word, everybody. It's Ooh. called Manichaeanism. 
Manichaeism. Manichaeism. Weird. I like that. Mana. Weird reference. Uh, have you guys ever seen Warriors of Virtue? The kangaroos. The kid falls into a a water portal and he comes out to another land. And there's the the warriors of virtue, and each one of them is some sort of virtue. Oh, and I know. They're this. ninjas, and they no, teach I know him. This. Yes. They teach him the what? ways. <laughs> yes. And I don't what? know this at all. This is like, <laughs> I used to love that. This movie. is like the teenage mutant ninja turtles of like like the Buddhist like Eastern philosophies. Of, yeah. They're called I the, know this. The yeah. Warriors of Virtue, That's and they were kangaroo out. ninjas, and they taught this kid. Wait, wait, kangaroo? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, it was like you live got a computer action. in front of you. You it know was, you want to look it up. It was like a marsupial. Action. Yeah, yes. right, marsupial in a way. I think they were kangaroos. Yeah, no, they were. They were. They were kangaroos, and they each had their own weapon. They each had their own color. It's like a, it's like a spinoff of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right. but with... Eastern philosophy. Eastern philosophy. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> 1997 <laughs> Chinese American martial arts fantasy yeah. film. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was, yeah. So film, I think <laughs> the film was a critical and commercial failure. <laughs> it was not a failure. I remember going out to my backyard and like jumping over logs, like, ah, oh, I am whatever. <laughs> they released a sequel direct straight to video in 2002 called Warriors of Virtue The Return to Tao. Mm. I'm pretty sure we just found a new title for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for good, because I really didn't want that old one to be <laughs> to be cemented into TFK time. No, definitely Adampa not. Adampa Trump. <laughs> 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 oh, man. <laughs> no, good movie. Warriors yes. of Virtue. Interesting. That's, yeah. Get never, out, maybe we can do a little watch. A, a little Squadcast watch, yes. watch. Squadcast It's brought to you by Squadcast We paid for it <laughs> Yes <laughs> With yes, money we, From yes. DullKnives.com We did DullKnives.com I mean guys we, we just did Probably an hour and a half um, Of this podcast I think that That's a good one You know A lot of the beginning Maybe We'll see how it goes Yeah we'll see It'll it'll sound great when I edit it all though. I yeah. will sound delicious. But we don't really edit. Oh, uh, uh, what but we do? No, we never edit this podcast. Never. Yeah, it's all uh, it's all fresh. unscripted. None of this is scripted. Straight it's to tape, baby. <laughs> straight to tape. Turn up. I I can't hear my I can't hear my snare. Turn up my snare. Turn up the snare in my headphones. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> Yeah, well, the uh, the buffer track for this episode will be all snare drum, oh, nice. <laughs> like a mar- like a like a drum line thing. <laughs> I just wanted just... to share uh, what Gene Siskel thought of uh, Warriors of Virtue. Oh, this is a great place to end. All right, Q, bring it, bring it on home. On an Eskel, on a, uh, on an episode of Siskel and Ebert, Gene Siskel voted thumbs down and described Warriors of Virtue as quote generic junk made for the international action market. A cheap hybrid of Power Rangers, Ninja Turtles, and Captain Planet. That sounds pretty cool, though. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> right, that, that actually, does sound pretty cool. <laughs> I like all those things. So Do you like nice. Captain Planet? Do you like Ninja Turtles? <laughs> Do you like Jurassic Park and Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> Do you also like martial arts? <laughs> uh, I, I think we should go watch uh, Warriors of Virtue oh, right now, guys. Please, all let's right. do it. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, Q. All right, Q. Um, we'll see you when I hit stop record. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
pie Jesu domine, dona eis requiem. Whoa, what an episode. All right, guys, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the QC portion, and we are doing it right now. My brain hurts. Does it? My yeah. soul hurts. My brain hurts, but for other reasons. Mm. My yeah. brain was blown a lot. Nice. That episode was very enlightening. I learned a lot. <laughs> that was, It was pretty cool. I was listening to it while I was flying 30,000 feet in the air in an <sighs> airplane, and it was a nice listen. Yeah. It was unexpected. You know, we weren't anticipating doing another philosophy piece, but we kind of just really got into it. It was yeah, good. Yeah, we we didn't really plan a topic or anything for that one. We just wanted to talk to Q, check out the new tech, and yeah. see how he's doing. And uh, it worked out really well. I, I I had a good time doing that episode. Um, but we'll do some QC. We'll do a little, mm. little QC. As you guys just heard, we did the opening chant there um, from that Monty Python <laughs> quote that we referenced. And um, I was close when I said the Latin in the episode. Uh, I I didn't say all the words right, but right. I, I had uh, most of them right. But um, it is P.A. Jesu Domine Dona Eis Requiem. And that is Latin for merciful Lord Jesus, grant them rest. <laughs> It's I, dark. I, yes, it is pretty dark. <laughs> That's not very funny, Monty Python. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. But it is part of the standard Latin funeral, right? So I guess that makes some sense mm-hmm. uh, in there. But um, the only other part that I really QC'd or wanted to comment on was uh, Warriors of Virtue, of which this yes. episode is named now. Uh, I had not remembered it when we were talking about it in the episode. But I just watched the trailer, <laughs> and it did spark some memories. Like, I definitely either saw the trailer or part of the movie or whatever. Like, those live-action kangaroo men, oh, it, yep. that, that's like the stuff nightmares are made out of. Mm. Like, <laughs> They're scary. Yeah. Um, the only – I had two two points that I found that were interesting about that. One is this uh, great quote from the movie. Why don't we make like Tom and Cruise? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, yeah. You can see that the writers were were on point for that one. Um, the next thing was that its budget was $35 million. And it made a whopping... $6.5 million. Damn. You sure not mixed up millions with billions? I can't believe they <laughs> even made a direct-to-film sequel. Or direct to you know DVD sequel or whatever the hell after it was. losing that much money after losing that much money that they I mean yeah direct a video or whatever but somebody still, must have backed maybe that. they were trying to play on some nostalgia trying to capitalize w- on some of that maybe. yeah it was like five years later that they did it too so oh really yeah yeah oh, who knows? Then, it's kind of weird you remember that uh, super unsuccessful movie we made let's make a part two <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, what no and that nobody asked for everybody who ever filmed and was responsible for that movie are now fired. <laughs> But the title's badass. Come on, yeah. Warriors of Virtue. Right. That's it's, true. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. All right. Um, Ham, you wanted to talk about cats for a quick well, second? I, mean, <laughs> I always want to talk about cats. I mean, right? <laughs> um, well, so James, in the episode James was talking about in high school, he w- one of the other things that he learned was that all Calico cats were uh, female. Yeah. 
and that turns out to, in fact, be true. Uh, 99.9% of calico cats are female. It has to do with the inheritance of the, you know, females having an XX chromosome and then fur color being primarily determined through the X chromosome. Um, you know, I don't want to get into genetics. It's a very dense topic. I do. Mm. I mean, I would in, I would like to do a genetics episode. That would be cool. Which yeah. we can do. Which um, we probably will. Spin that into the 23andMe sequel that we were talking about a little bit. Right. Yeah. Which I got to order that kit. <laughs> <laughs> I think we know a couple people that we could have on, right? For genetics? genetics? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 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 We'll see. Yeah. Um, but... Yes, to your point, all Calco cats are, in fact, 99.9% female. There is a, it's very, very rare, very, very rare for there to be a male, but it is possible only if that particular cat inherits an extra chromosome. So having uh, a, a double X and a Y. Okay. But yeah. All right. That's all cool. I got. And uh, I'd just like to say that Calico cats are white, orange, and black. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I so, yeah. yeah. I wasn't quite sure about that during the episode, so I had to look it up myself. You guys can make fun of me for not knowing what a calico cat is, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's it. But uh, thank you for Q for coming on, man. Indeed, it's always Definitely. always a pleasure. And uh, yeah, it's always good. Some good conversation with Q whenever he comes by. So yeah, guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And uh, have a good one. Yeah. Later, guys. Peace. Bye. Sausage candles.